Frontier Missions Journal. Stories of hope for the unreached with Adventist Frontier Missions. I'm Karen Lawrence. My husband Orion and I work on the AMA project in Papua New Guinea. Our project is located on the May River, which is a tributary to the Sepik River in the northern part of the island. And we work with mostly river people. The title of this story is, Let's Pray Before We Eat. River people travel everywhere in canoes, and um, occasionally they'll walk somewhere, but they don't like to walk. They always paddle. One day, I was at my house, and one of my friends came and said, Karen, I want you to come eat sago at my house. Two days later, she showed up at my house and said, oh, let's go. So we walked down the path to the river where she had her canoe. In the Ama people groups and the river peoples around us, the women sit in their canoes and the men stand up. And a young man will stand too. So we climbed into her canoe. She directed me to where she wanted me to sit and stabilized it while I crawled in. Hers was a really narrow canoe. I had to wiggle to get my hips down between the sides. Then she handed me a paddle and we started paddling up river to her house. But it was a smooth ride. Paddle up the side, cross the river. And when we got to her house, I could see the rest of her children and her nieces and nephews standing on the bank waving. They were so excited. A white lady was coming to eat at their house. Soon I was inside and being shown all the pretty things that they had, school books and so forth. And the auntie was boiling water on her stove. Her stove was made of clay covering the floorboard so they won't burn. And then she has ashes above that and her wood and her fire. So she had her water boiling soon. And she mixed up the sago, which is a starch that comes from the sago palm tree. And she started mixing it with water and she had it just right. She said, okay, Karen, start stirring. So she slowly poured boiling water in while I stirred this paste. And I hadn't seen any change when she suddenly stopped pouring water and said, stir fast. So I stirred fast and it went from white to clearish. And then we made the sago itself, which is a very gelatinous food, very chewy, and it doesn't have a lot of flavor. But this one was made with boiled spring water so it, or rainwater. It was good. So we prepared it and set it aside in individual serving sizes on forest leaves that she had prepared. I'm not skilled at making this yet, and I have to roll it up and roll it up and then spread it out just right, each by serving size balls. She could do a perfect one in a few seconds, and it took me a long time to get a crooked one. While we were working, her aunt was over by the fire, carefully cooking greens and salting them and making sure they'd be good. 
Once all the food was ready, all the children and adults started crowding into the house to eat and were handed food. And of course, I was handed the prettiest ones, none of the crooked ones I had made. And I looked around. Everyone was eating. And I thought, I said, why didn't they stop to pray? Then I remembered, this friend is not a Christian. She didn't think about it. So I looked around the family circle, and they said, Karen, eat. And I said, before I eat, I want to pray. Everyone finished chewing and held their food in their hands. Well, I thanked God for the blessings he had given all of us in this food. Then I ate. And it was good sago, and the greens were so tasty. I'm so thankful that my father taught me to eat greens. And when our meal was over, everyone had had more sago than me because I eat it slowly. But we all had enjoyed our time together. And they packed a lunch for Orion, said, all right, you take this home with you. Then we got back in her small, narrow canoe and paddled home. I want to continue finding ways of spending time in people's homes, eating with them, telling stories with them, learning to cook their food but also showing them by my actions in life that Christians are fun, easy to get along with people just like them. And that's just what she did. Karen's next two stories tell of two more adventures that showed her genuine interest in the people and taught her new jungle lessons. The title of my story is God Must Love to Laugh at Me. When I first went to work among the Gogodala as a student missionary, I looked at all the beautiful baskets around me, the intricate designs that the Papua New Guinea women make in baskets and bags just intrigued me, and I wanted to learn to make them. But I looked around me, and as I was praying and praying that I would be a blessing, I saw one kind of basket again and again. And it wasn't very pretty to my eyes. Besides, it looked really complicated. So I prayed, Dear Jesus, I want to make baskets, but not that one. God must have laughed. You see, as I was going to work among the Gogodala people, the Gogodala people have their very own basket. And the basket I told God I did not want to make was the Gogodala basket. <laughs> Once I realized this, and I realized that I was going to be learning to make that basket if I was going to make anything, I asked one of my friends. I said, Aina, I want to learn how to make the Gogodala basket. Well, she said, it's called a sago bag or biala quesa. All right, do you know how to make them? Oh, yes, I know how to make them. You want to learn? Yes, I want to learn. All right. On Monday morning at 7 o'clock in the morning, you be ready and we will go and get the grass to make baskets. It hadn't occurred to me that learning to make baskets started by a canoe trip. So 7 o'clock Monday morning, Aina showed up. And I climbed in the canoe. It was a large canoe. You see, the Gogodala women stand to paddle. And 
she didn't really want herself and her toddler, plus me, the student missionary, to take a bath in the river. So she got the largest canoe she knew she could handle, borrowed it from the village elder, and we paddled. It seemed like a long ways. About an hour into the swamp, we came to a place with lots of tall grasses. And Aina said, this is the grass that we will use to make the sago bags. And she showed me how to pick the grass by pulling it up out of the root socket. You had to do it carefully because it was a hollow tube. And if you let your hand slip and the tube had gotten crushed, it would slice like a knife. So um, there was some blood on some of that gathered grass. Once we had gathered enough, Aina said, all right, let's paddle back. So we paddled back to land and sat underneath the house. And she began to make a basket. Over two, under two. One to the side, over two, under two. Once I learned the pattern, it wasn't as hard as I thought it had been. But it still took a while. And my work was so clumsy compared to hers. But soon I had made a sago bag, and she carefully finished the top and started a new one for me. By watching her skillful fingers, I was able to make several of them. And as I look back on my mementos from that time, I look at my messy sago bag that I made and at the beautiful one that Aina made for me. And I say, oh my, when God laughs, he laughs because he knows the lessons he has for us are greater than the lessons we have for ourselves. And I am so grateful to have that part of the cultural experience of knowing how to weave their baskets. Well, not every missionary learns the fine art of basket weaving. And you thought that was a joke for college courses. But reaching people for Jesus is a matter of friendship. And weaving baskets is one way of mingling and showing genuine interest in the lives of the Gogodala. Nevertheless, Karen, being ever the curious type, was to learn yet another jungle lesson. Later that day, I was asking more questions, cultural things. I said, Aina, I know how to stand in this big canoe, but how do you stand in your canoe? And Aina said, well, let's go down to where I put, where I keep my canoe behind my house and I'll teach you. So we walked past gardens and past houses on the path. And we got down to a little place between banana trees where she had her canoe in just a little curve of a creek leading out to the river. And she handed me my paddle. And I carefully left my camera and everything else of value on shore. And I tied my glasses to my head with a string. She said, all right, this is how you do it. And she showed me how to put one foot in the center and to gently set my other foot on the edge and how to use the paddle to control the canoe. I copied her, kind of. 
as the canoe moved forward, I felt like I was losing my balance. So I pushed down on my right leg, which was the one on the edge of the canoe. This will automatically dump you into the water. So I pulled the canoe back to shore. I used the paddle, which also serves as a, a bale to remove water, got the water out, and tried again. This time I got a little farther. But again, I started to lose my balance, put my weight on the wrong foot, fell in. Aina <laughs> laughed. She said, Karen, <laughs> only the paddle goes in the water. Don't follow the paddle. I tried and tried. I spent an hour falling in, dragging the canoe back to the shore, emptying the water and trying again. <laughs> Soon there was a whole group of women and children on the hill above the creek, watching and laughing. <laughs> it seemed so strange that an adult woman was incapable of standing in a canoe and paddling. After that day, I'm so much better at balancing, but my respect for these women and their skill to stand, paddle, go to their gardens, never tip their canoe over. God has given these women great skill and great talents. And I know that God wants to use their skills and talents to further the gospel. And I am so thankful now as I hear stories of the missionaries who are there. These women are paddling and sharing the good news of Christ with those around them. And I assure you, they will never forget the day they saw a white lady falling into the river a hundred times. That wraps it up for another edition of Frontier Missions Journal. Join us again here next time. God bless.